Each week I pray for the Lord to give me a word for each of you. I just don't want to preach a sermon. I don't want to come here with somebody else's sermon. I'm saying, God, give me a word for the congregation. Well, Thursday I thought God had given me a word, and I, I was getting all excited about it. I was about when Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. And I was getting all excited about it, and I said, what is the peace of Jesus, and where did he get it? And anytime I get a message on my heart, if somebody calls me, I preach it to them and try it out and just see how, I mean, really. I say, well, what do you think about it? And if they don't get fired up, I say, I can forget that. Well, I had one guy fired up on the phone. He was saying amen. Well, it's just like God to upset you when you think you're ready where you want to be. On Friday night when we pray, we pray over all the seats. We pray over each seat. And, and I'm just telling you how this happened. And usually I come and lay down on my face here behind the pulpit. I just lay down here and pray. And I just pray for the service. I pray for the preaching. And, and, and the Lord said to me, he said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. I hadn't even thinking about that. And I just couldn't get that off my mind. And the last thing I wanted to do was preach on the tongue. You know why? I always get under conviction. That's just the truth. Because you know the Bible says the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. My, what a statement. I said, all right, Lord. Why do you want me to preach on the tongue? And let me tell you the reason. And it's very, very significant. The Bible says that if we're going to pray powerfully, stay with me now, if we're going to pray powerfully and if we're going to pray effectively, we've got to pray from an obedient heart, a pure heart, and a surrendered heart. You see, I don't have to tell you, and I don't believe you really understand, and I'm not sure I understand how desperate these days are. I mean, just today, I went out in the yard and got the newspaper, and I just read the front page and the sports page. I don't read all the other stuff. It's too thick. But, you know, right on the right-hand side, this says, seems like the Supreme Court is going to be in favor of same-sex marriage. Well, I knew right then it was a liberal right. She didn't know any more about it than I know about it. But I read it. And you need to read it. It's one column on the left side, and then you go back to page 12, and it's a whole page. And she gave about five or six scenarios about what might happen. And the first one she gave was the right one, that if they vote that same-sex marriage is not a constitutional right, well, that just ends it. And then she went on and said, but what if they don't? And she gave four or five scenarios and tried to, you know, give some kind of persuasive argument about it. I will tell you this, and believe me, listen to me. I believe that we prayed and they're going to they're gonna vote that it's not a constitutional right. See, it's so absurd when our founders of our Constitution wrote it, it ne- they never dreamed that anybody would ever talk about same-sex marriage. They never dreamed about it. 
And how can it be a const- something protected by the Constitution? But I'll tell you this. If they rule wrong, and I don't believe they are, it will forever divide our nation. It will absolutely wipe out religious freedom. And our nation will never, ever, ever be the same again. And your children and my grandchildren will be raised in a totally different country. I'm telling you all, there's no way we can understand how significant this is in the spiritual world. I'm talking about in the spiritual world. Much less just in the everyday life that we live. And so these are desperate times, and they call for desperate prayer. That's right. Desperate times call for desperate prayer. And the Lord said, my people have got to call on me with clean hands and a pure heart. They have to pray from lives that are holy and are righteous and obedient. And so I said, all right. And so I just want to deal with one of the biggest battles that we fight. And that's with this matter of of our speech, of our tongue. You know, our, our head has seven openings. You know that. Two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, and one tongue. Thank God. (laughs) Because one's enough. But you know, if if we're going to pray with power and authority for this decision concerning the Supreme Court, and it's coming in the next 10 days, and so we got just, we're down the deadline. We got to pray. Also, we've got to pray that God will reverse the sexual revolution in this nation that's running at jet speed in the wrong direction. America is not a moral country. It is amoral or immoral. And the sexual revolution is much further than lesbian and gays. Uh, it's much further than that. It's a revolution of the wrong kind. So we've got to pray about that. We've got to pray about the fact that There is a desperate move to make America a secularistic, socialistic society. It it is so obvious. It is so obvious that they want to take God out of all public life, and they want us to be a socialist nation. I I wish I had time to go into some of the stupid things that the the president's uh, proposing, but I ain't got time to do that. But I'd like to. But anyway, uh, ask me privately, and I'll tell you. But anyway... But the thing that also is disturbing me is the all-out suppression of religious expression. They say you can worship in your church building, but you don't need to be talking about it on the streets. You don't need to be going public with it. Keep it inside the church building. And there is a tremendous pressure. Oh, we want you to have freedom of worship in your building, but keep it there and don't say anything that's not constitutional. If the church had not said anything in the early church that wasn't constitutional, there would be no church today, right? Most of them were in jail most of the time. You said, that's not encouraging to me, Pastor. I'm not trying to encourage you in that area. It's just the truth. Now, we've got to pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 6, 18. Ephesians 6, 18. It says, praying always with all prayer... And supplication in the spirit, being watchful thereunto with all perseverance and supplication 
for the saints. He said, now, I want you to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I often wondered about that. And Miss Bertha Smith said, you know, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Let me, let me tell you what she said. I've never forgotten it. She said, when you're praying in the Spirit, you ask God to take the prayer that's in his heart. God, take the prayer that's in your heart and put it in my heart so that I can send it back by the way of the cross. Take in the prayer that's in the heart of God, put it in our heart, and we send it back to the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus. But now if we're going to pray in the Spirit, man, we have got to be right with God. I mean, the Bible is so clear. In Psalm 66, 18, it's a very sobering verse. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, that's pretty sobering. I said, but Lord, nobody's perfect. He said, I know that. He said, but you can be forgiven. He said, but if you regard iniquity, if you harbor it in your heart, if you're holding on to some sin in your life that you won't let go, but yet you get on your knees and pray or you start crying out to God in a crisis. He said, regarding iniquity in your heart is holding on to it and not repenting of it, not asking forgiveness and being set free. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Another sobering verse, Isaiah 59, verse 2. It says, uh, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear. Now, we wonder sometimes why churches pray and people pray, and God never seems to answer and never seems to do anything. Sometimes it's a matter of God's timing. But sometimes, listen, if you've got sin in your life, and if you are not willing to repent of it and turn from it, God, the Bible says your iniquities have separated from you and your God, and he will not hear you. I mean, that's disturbing to me. You can pray, and if you're not right with God, then you're wasting your time. There's another verse of Scripture in 1 John 3, 22. This was Miss one Miss Bertha used all the time. She said, and we know, and, and it says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive from him. Now listen, whatsoever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. It's called obedience. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So we have to pray. Forgiven. We're not perfect. We do mess up. We do sin. We don't want to, but we do. This world system is constantly, the devils of hell are constantly harassing us and tempting us. And sometimes we just don't do what's right. But there is repentance. God, I, I, I confess that and I turn from it. And there's forgiveness and then with our hearts cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we can cry out to God with clean hands and a pure heart. But now the big thing that we fight, this is the greatest temptation Christians have, and it's the power of the tongue. It's the sin of the tongue. The Bible says no man can tame it. And boy, you can have victory in all kinds of areas of your life. Victory here, victory here, victory here, victory here. And then you open your mouth. You know, do you know what the Bible says about the power of the tongue? (laughs) 
Man, this is strong. In uh, Proverbs 18, 21, I want you to listen to what it says. It says in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you know that you can speak life with the words that come out of your mouth? Or you can speak death by the words that come out of your mouth? Well, Brother Fred, words aren't that important. Oh, yes, they are. The Bible says they are. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's another verse in James 1.26. Boy, this is pretty strong. Uh, that's why I don't like to preach on it. It just tears me up. It, it, it's, it's strong. James 1.26. If anyone among you seems to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart and his religion is in vain. Lord have mercy. He said, you think you're religious, but your tongue's out of control. It's out of control. You're deceiving your heart. And your religion's useless. Man, there's power. Power in the tongue. Over in James 3, 2, you know what it says? That if a person controls their tongue, it's a sign that they're a mature Christian. You wonder, well, when is a Christian mature? What is an evidence of a mature Christian? But it says in James 2, 3, 2, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is perfect. He's mature. He said, now we all trip up on some things. Nobody's perfect. We all mess up sometimes. We all sin. We don't want to. We're not running to sin. We're running from sin. He said, but if anyone stumble, if we all, we all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in his words, he is mature man, a mature man. And he's able to bridle his own body. Wow. There's power in the tongue. Another verse that talks about the power of the tongue is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, uh, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may produce impart grace to the hearers. Now, you know what that verse is in the Greek? It says here, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification? It says, the word there is rotten fruit. Let no rotten fruit proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So I want you to understand, we want to pray, and we want to pray with power. We want to see God answer our prayers. And we want to see God do the miraculous. We want to see God move the mountains. We want to see God transform lives. We want to see God doing what only God can do. And I'm telling you, we have got to pray with a pure heart. We've got to pray with a heart that is in fellowship with Jesus. We've got to pray from a heart that is right with God. But... The Bible says about the problem with the tongue. And I, I, we all know we have a problem with it. Let, let just, I, let's just look at uh, James chapter 3. Boy, I'm telling you. I read this two or three times. I said, my heavens. 
how true it is. All right, look. I'm in James chapter 3, verse 6. The tongue is a fire. Now, y'all need to understand. I didn't write this, okay? (laughs) But obviously, God knew we had a problem. And so he just says, let me tell you something. Now, you, you, when you're battling your speech and when you're battling your words and what you say, you've you got, you got a battle on your hands. But let me tell you, there's an answer. He said, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Your tongue can mess up your whole body and sets on fire, the tongue does, the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Wow. He said, you know, hell will set your tongue on fire. said in verse 7, every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. And all God's people said, amen, you can't tame it. Lord, I am never going to say that again. I'm never going to say it that way again. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. You can say something nice but have a bad attitude. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's why verbal abuse is so tragic. You're speaking death. And and, and what you're speaking is, is, is full of poison. It says, no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless God, our Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Men and brethren, these ought not to be so. So James said, man, we got a problem. And we, we can't tame the tongue. Only God can. But now you want a verse that will sober you up. You said, that sobered me pretty well right there, Brother Fred. Look at Matthew 12, verse 33. My goodness. Jesus said this, and boy, Jesus just nailed it. My goodness. Matthew 12, 33. Now look at what he says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Now, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he called them a bunch of snakes. I have never done that, and I'm not calling anybody a snake. Jesus said, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Then he said it, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The only way you can change what comes out of your mouth is to change what's in your heart. Oh, it's a heart matter. It begins with the heart and comes through the mouth. Good things comes out of a good heart. Evil things come out of an evil heart. And a heart's only good under the blood of Christ. How can you speak, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Now here's the word. I say to you, Every idle word men may speak, they will give account of in the day of judgment. What? Every idle word? 
that comes out of a person's mouth. They will give an account of in your day of judgment. Now listen to this. By your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Lord, it's hard for me to understand how powerful and how important our words are that come out of our heart. And the Bible not only speaks of the power of words, but it speaks of the power of the tongue, but it speaks of the problems with the tongue. Back over in Ephesians 4, 29 through 33, 32, he says again, and I just want us to just listen to it, and we're going to talk about how you tame the tongue. Chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for edifying, only speak that which builds somebody up. Now, that's a good word. Husband, only speak to your wife what builds her up. Wife, only speak to your husband what builds her up. Parents, only speak to your children what build them up. Children, only speak to your parents what builds them up. It, said, let, it says here, let no corrupt proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. It'll bless them. It'll show them the grace of God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit when you say the wrong words. Whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, evil speaking, be put away from you with, with all malice. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So, man, it's not only the power of the tongue, but it's the problem of the tongue. Well, let me just say this. There are eight sins of the tongue. I'm just going to give you one verse on each one of them. All right, there's the sin of lying. Okay? That's pretty obvious that that's a sin of the tongue. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. Look what they are. A proud look, a lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. So that's a sin of the tongue. He hates a lying tongue. So it's not only lying, well, but gossip. Now, do you know that... (laughs) The Bible says it's a sin when you gossip. You say define gossip. It's hard to define, but I know what it is. You know what it is? <laughs> Proverbs 16, verse 6. No, it's Proverbs. No, it's Proverbs. Is that a, Proverbs 11, verse 13? Hold on just a minute. Here it is. Now, here's gossip. A talebearer. Revealed secrets. But he who is a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Okay. So you know something about a person. That's not good. So you decide to share. Well, you know, uh, I I like uh, Sue or James, but I like them, but. And then you go on and gossip about them. You just say some things. You say, but Brother Fred, what if it's true? That don't matter. If it's true, who are you supposed to talk to about it? Them. Them. 
You see, gossip is a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is faithful conceals a matter. You know, uh, no good comes from sharing something bad about another person. No good comes from that unless you go to them in love and rebuke them and encourage them and pray for them. Listen, you, you know and I know, uh, you, you say, Brother Fred, gossip's just a part of life. That's the problem. It's the problem. And I don't know if you're a gossiper or not, but if you are, it's a sin. And the Bible says that God's not pleased with it. And then there's the sin of uh, reviling. In 2 Peter chapter 2, and by the word reviling is, abu- is um, abusive speech. That's what reviling is. And it's in 1 Peter 2.23. And it talks about it. Let me look it up real quick. 1 Peter 2.23, Hebrew James, 1 Peter 2.23. It talks about reviling. It says in verse 23, who when he was reviled, Jesus, that's abusing speech. They called him a, a demon. They called him uh, as one who out of, by the power of demons cast out demons. They, they, they accused him of being a false prophet. They accused him of being a blasphemer. Everything. They were constantly abusing Jesus with words. Who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten and committed himself to the one who judges righteous judgment. Hey, I'm going to tell you one thing. You, You live for Christ in these days. You walk in love and you walk in truth. And you speak what God says and you speak it with love and authority. You will be reviled. You'll be called a hate monger. You'll be called a bigot. You'll be called narrow-minded. You'll be called uh, a simpleton. Because, you know, they think we as Christians ain't got no, they, they don't think we know anything. You know, the problem is, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And we know the right person. We know Jesus Christ. And we know the living God. And we know the truth in the word of God. And let me tell you one thing. They can revile us all they want to. But that just means we're going to speak more of the truth that God has given us. Because I tell you, Jesus never, they never did go around saying, Jesus, you are wonderful. Huh. He was reviled all the time. And Jesus said, if they did it to me, they'll do it to you. And another thing that uh, a sin is, is hasty words. Oh, in Proverbs 29, 20, I want you to listen to this. Talk, talking about sp- speaking before you think. Have any of y'all ever spoke before you thought? <laughs> Woo. You put your mouth in gear before you put your mind in gear. All right, listen to this. Now, I'm just reading the Bible, okay? Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Woo! Boy, there's times I wish I'd have shut, had my, kept my mouth shut. Hey, by the way, can I give you a word of encouragement? You don't have to have an opinion about everything. And you don't have to tell everything you know. I hope you don't even try. Some things you just need to keep to yourself. You know, they may think you're smart as long as you keep your mouth closed. <laughs> but... Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for him than a fool. Some of you guys get upset with your wife. Keep your mouth shut, will you? Don't tell her what you're thinking. Ask God to get it out of your mind. 
And you wives, don't you tell your husband everything you think. Just keep quiet. I mean, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to fix it. I mean, come on, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. The, about the most, you, you know the best words you can say to your husband or wife? Yes, honey. Yes, darling. I, it, that's so right. That's so good. But what if you don't feel that way? You're not lying. You're just trying to bring a peacemaker is what you're trying to be. <laughs> if you ain't learned that now, you better learn it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Woo. I'll show you the scars from not knowing it. <laughs> and he tells us also that murmuring and complaining is a sin. Murmuring and complaining. Philippians 2.14, it talks about uh, do all things without murmuring and do do all things without complaining and murmuring. Man, that's hard. See, murmuring and complaining is the opposite of thankfulness. If you're thankful, you won't murmur. If you're thankful, you won't complain. But sometimes we just murmur. We're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. You, you, why have all this in my life? You don't, you're not in control. Murmuring and complaining. Well, I, I only got three more, and you say, well, thank God. <laughs> Proverbs 10, 19 is when you talk too much. <laughs> well, it says that. I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. Proverbs 10, 19. It says here, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. We need to read that one again. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. If you run your mouth long enough, you're eventually going to sin. Now, that's what it says. But he who restrains his lips is wise. God has to give us control. He has to take control of our tongue. Well, it's obvious that filthy words, filthy words are sin against God. It's over in Romans 3. Boy, you need to read that passage where it talks about the end result of sin and all that kind of stuff. But in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, it says, uh, let me look it up here. I got it right here. Romans 3, verse 4. Um, in verse, uh, verse 4, no, it ain't verse 4. That's verse 14, excuse me, verse 14. Romans three, fourteen. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. So, you know, people curse. Some, some people don't know the English language. Did you know that? If they didn't know cuss words, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to say. You know what's in a man's heart? Listen to what he's saying. Boy, I love Jesus, and he turns around and takes God's name in vain. I mean, come on. Oh, I go to church every Sunday, but he cusses like a sailor. And I don't even know how sailors curse. I've just heard that all my life. <laughs> if you were a sailor, maybe you can tell me. All right, but then he says that idle words are a sin. Every idle word that a man speaks, he'll give an account of in the day of judgment. So those are the sins of the tongue. All right, now, how in the world do you get your tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit? How do you do that? 
it's obvious we all have a power with our tongue. It's all obvious that we all have power with work trouble with our speech. That that's why God spoke to me as clear as he could. He said, life and death in the power of the tongue. And if you're going to pray powerfully, and if you're going to pray and see mountains move, and if you're going to pray and see people saved, then you've got to pray with clean hands and a pure heart. And one of the biggest areas you've got to deal with is you've got to deal with your mouth. You've got to deal with your tongue. And if you get that right, then you're well on the way to being a mature man or woman, and you can pray with power. So how do you do it? Well, first of all, admit there's a problem. Just admit that you do have the problem. You're saying, Brother Fred, that's, that, that's too legalistic. That, that's, you know, that, that's too narrow. Now, listen, I, all I've done is read the Bible. I mean, I'm not a legalist, and I'm not trying to put you under the law, but I am telling you the Bible is clear about the sins of the tongue, and we have to admit that unless Jesus is, is, is Lord and I, we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, that we will never have victory over our tongue. So admit that it is a problem and that when you violate the word of God, it is a sin. Okay, so admit there's a problem with the tongue. Then the next thing you've got to do is this. Surrender your heart and tongue to Jesus. There's a great verse. I want you to look at these verses. In Romans 6, 11 through 13, it tells you, what you can do with your tongue. Now, you realize out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But, so it's a matter of surrender of the heart and then the surrender of the tongue. But it's right here in Romans 6, 11. Th- these are some of my favorite verses. But it talk- talks about where victory is. It says, now look at verse 11. We're talking about saved people now. And I'm telling you, you can have victory in your speech. You can have victory over your tongue. You can speak life. You can speak life. You can speak that which builds people up. You can speak encouragement. You can speak the truth in love. Listen, you can. You can be a man or woman of God whose mouth is used by God to give him glory. You can do that. And that's why it says here, all right, in verse 11, likewise reckon yourselves to be dead to sin that Jesus put to death our sinful nature. In Adam, we were born sinners by nature and then by choice. But when Jesus went to the cross, he not only took our sins, but he took our sinful nature and he nailed it to the cross. It says, so consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Sin has no control over you anymore. It is not to rule in your life. You used to be dead to God and alive to sin. Now you're dead to sin and you're alive to God. The power of sin has been broken in the life of a Christian. Do you understand? When Jesus put you to death on the cross, he broke the power of sin. He broke its back. We are tempted, yes. Sometimes we do sin, yes. But that is not our lifestyle. That is not our practice because we are dead to sin and we are alive to God through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, read on. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ the Lord. Now here's verse 12. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Since you're dead to sin, don't let sin reign in your heart. 
And don't let sin reign in your tongue. Don't let it. You're dead and you're alive. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. You don't have to obey sin. Its power has been broken. You can obey the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Spirit, you can obey God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body, your, your heart and your tongue, that you should obey it in its lust. All right, verse 13. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Are you listening? All right, what are our members? Well, don't present your, don't present your hands as members, of, as members of unrighteousness to sin. Okay. Don't present your eyes as members of unrighteousness to sin. Don't present your ears as members of unrighteousness to sin. Don't present your heart as a member of unrighteousness to sin. Don't present your feet. See, he said, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. You're dead to sin. Sin does not reign in you. And he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But but look at this. Present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. I heard Dr. Stephen Olford say this. Lord, I give you my mind. Think through it. Jesus, I give you my mind. Think through it. Oh, Jesus, I give you my heart, my eyes. Look through them. I give you my ears, Jesus. Listen through them. I give you my mouth, Jesus. I give you my tongue. Speak through it. I give you my heart. Love and obey through it. I give you my hands. Work through them. I give you my feet. You present your members, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your heart, your hand. You present them as instruments of righteousness. Not instruments of unrighteousness, but as instruments of righteousness to God. And that's why he gets control of your tongue, gets control of your heart. But he also gets control of your tongue. Present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. All right, here's the next thing. So you, you, you've surrendered your heart and your tongue to the Lord. You present it as an instrument of righteousness. Then fill your mouth, heart and mouth with thanksgiving. Psalm 104, enter into his gates with murmuring and complaining. That is not what it says. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Lord, I'm telling you, I got to get up and go to work today. And there's a bunch of heathen down there. But they need Jesus. And I want you to know, Lord, that I need to be light and salt. So, God, I just want to thank you for my job. And I want to praise you that I have employment. And you just live through me, Jesus, down there. And I want you to know I ain't going to gripe about it. I'm going to thank you for it. That'll change your whole attitude. See, we fill our mouth and our heart with thanksgiving. In Psalm 19, 14, listen to it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
Let the words of my mouth and what I think about. Hey, listen. We can, our hearts can be filled with thanksgiving and praise. In Ephesians 5, 20, it says, in everything, give thanks. And in Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, it says, offer to, offer to God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving glory to God. It is hard to sin with your mouth when you're full of thanksgiving and praise and gratitude and you're glorifying God, thanking God for who you are and where you are and the circumstances you're in because you're God's child. All right? So you got to surrender your heart and tongue to the Lord. Mitch, you got a problem. Surrender your heart and tongue to the Lord, all your members. Fill your mouth with praise and thanksgiving. Are you listening to me now? Affirm daily to bless people. You know what I'm going to do today, Lord? I am going to bless people. I'm going to encourage people. I may not like their ways. I may not like their attitude. But God, I'm going to find a way that I can speak a word of encouragement and a word of blessing to them. In Proverbs 12, 18, listen, we, need to, we just need to affirm that we're going to bless people. We're not going to tear them down. We're going to build them up. It says, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. There are those who just when they speak to you, it's, 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 it's negative, it, it's condemning, it's, it's down. It's, it's like a stab a sword in your heart. There are those who speak like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So don't, don't, don't speak that, which is like putting a dagger in somebody's heart. Say something that will produce physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. My goodness, speak words that promote health in their life. And, in, and also in chapter 15, verse 4 of Proverbs, it t- tells about blessing people. It says, now listen to this verse. It, it says wholesome in the King James. A healing tongue is a tree of life. Wow. You speak words of encouragement, words of hope, words of healing. A healing tongue is like a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Did you know? You can crush somebody's spirit. You can speak words to a person and it'll be like a healing balm to them and it'll be healing and it'll be encouraging and they'll give them hope and and, and it'll just just be another way to get them on the day's journey. But you also can can speak words to them that, that absolutely it says here, but perverseness in it, you can break somebody's spirit. Man, you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. My heavens. We certainly want to bless people, build up people. Well, you say, Brother Fred, they've got sin in their life. Well, you, you, can, you can talk to them about that in love. You can speak, say, listen, I love you so much, but I, I don't like that what's, what that's doing in your life. You know it's destroying you. Well, I don't care. You say, well, I just want you to know that I love you and I'm concerned about it. And that's all you, but you're you're speaking words of hope and encouragement to them and and words of warning, but you're doing it in love. 
but you, you, you're doing it to, to bring healing, not to bring condemnation, to bring healing. All right? Um, and then here's the next one. This is how you, the Lord gives you control of the tongue. Admit you have a problem. Surrender your heart and tongue to Jesus, your members as instruments of righteousness. Fill your heart with praise and thanksgiving. Affirm daily to bless people, to bless people. Be careful when you speak to have the spirit of kindness and goodness. Hey, you can say something, but if your attitude's bad, you might as well not say it. You know what one of the fruits of the spirit is? Gentleness. Did you know you can disagree with your wife and be gentle? You can disagree with your husband and be gentle. You and I can disagree and be gentle. I mean, come on. We're not going to agree about everything. But also, you can speak and not necessarily be in agreement, but you can be kind. You see, it's not just the words, but it's the attitude. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Oh, my goodness. And the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. So here are words tempered by gentleness and tempered by kindness. You'd be amazed how God honors that. Our hearts are full of thanksgiving and praise. We affirm to bless people. And when we speak, we speak with gentleness and with kindness. I want to close with this. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you um, sensitive to every word you say. You had not got to be going around worried, am I going to say the right word? Am I going to say the wrong word? You'd go nuts doing that. You, 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 know, you just say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make me sensitive to the words I say. And Holy Spirit, make me sensitive to the way I say them. I may be speaking truth, but if, it's, if I come across as harsh and condemning, they're not going to receive it. So please, Holy Spirit, make me sensitive to every word I say. You know, I, I've been a Christian a long time. I really got saved when I was nine, and God called me to preach when I was uh, 19, and, and, and I'm uh, 77. I don't look like it, but I am. But anyway, <laughs> but I, I'm going to tell you all, my biggest battle is with my tongue. Well, Brother Fred, well, I'm just telling you the truth. If you don't think I have a problem, ask my wife. No, don't ask her, please. I'm not going to ask yours. But I tell you all, I, I have a battle. And I love people, my Lord. And the last thing I ever want to do is hurt anybody. That's my heart, and that's your heart. So God, listen, the tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And dear Jesus, we can't tame it, but we come to you, and we put it on the altar. We surrender our tongue to the altar, which means we surrender our heart, and please take control of it. Uh, uh, Vance Havner said this, and I'm not trying to, but I, I just got to tell you what a problem it is. This lady came up to him and said, Dr. Havner said, I want you to know that God has convicted me of my tongue and I'm going to place it on the altar. He said, but you need to wait two weeks because we've got to make the altar bigger. I mean, <laughs> that's what Vance, I didn't say that. Vance Havner said that. 
said, we got to enlarge the altar. Well, if I'm going to serve the Lord, you're going to have to enlarge the altar. Why, why, why am I talking about this? Because I want us to have power when we pray. I want us when we pray to have the power of God and move mountains.